Will Jesus really find faith on the earth? We continue to ask that question from Luke chapter 18. Welcome to Rise and Shine, a weekly podcast where we take bite-sized portions of the scriptures, try to make some sort of practical and relevant application to our lives, and if we do it right, it'll make us better people. Today we continue our look and answering the question from Luke 18, will Jesus really find faith on the earth? The first example we had was the persistent widow, the widow who would not take no for an answer. She sets the example for us to have a determined, unwavering faith, a faith that does not faint, pursuing justice, pursuing what is right because it's the right thing to do. Even though we may live in a society of corruption, we still seek what is right. We still pursue God and faith and doing what is right, being a light to the world. And so she represents to us a faith that doesn't faint. But Jesus, in that same chapter, and I believe to that same question, continues with another parable. As a matter of fact, it says in verse 9, Also he spoke this parable to some. So it sounds to me like he is connecting it to the other parable. It goes along with the question, will he find faith on the earth? This is just another aspect of faith and what it looks like. This time, he uses the well-known parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector at the hour of prayer. Beginning in verse 10, it reads like this. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. Thank God I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess, and this, and the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat on his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So, let's look at this parable and see how it connects to the question, will Jesus find faith on the earth? First thing, let's look at this self-righteous, conceited Pharisee. We note from the text, it says, two men went up to the temple to pray. So both of these men in this parable are religious. They are spiritually minded and take time out of their day to pray. Let's at least give them a little credit. Um, 
but we do notice right away that Jesus is making a contrast. There's a Pharisee, and it says, and he stood and prayed thus with himself. Now, I don't believe that the scriptures teach that there is a particular and proper posture of prayer. That is to say, the Bible doesn't demand or command us to kneel when we pray or bow our heads and close our eyes when we pray. It doesn't say we have to lay down or sit down. There is no um, scripture that teaches us a particular and proper posture of prayer. However, I think Jesus is drawing a contrast here in what you have first is this self-righteous, holier-than-thou, conceited Pharisee. And a part of the contrast is how he prayed. He stood. He walked in there and he stood and he looked right up to God. And it's kind of a, a prideful posture. And it really does stand in stark contrast to the way that the publican went in and stood afar off. And it just adds to this flavor and teaches us about this holier-than-thou spiritual arrogance. What else do we find out about this man? This Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. And then he names a bunch of so-called uh, big sins. I'm not an extortioner or unjust. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like this wretched tax collector. And so the problem here is he compares himself with other people. And he wants to point out that he doesn't do what other people do. And we ought not fall into that trap. What you're seeing here is this arrogant self-righteousness where he feels morally superior He's not an extortioner. He's not unjust. He's not an adulterer. You know, I can stand in the pulpit pretty easily on any given Sunday and truthfully tell the audience, I'm not an adulterer because I'm not. I am married and I don't commit adultery. But that doesn't mean I'm perfect. That doesn't mean I don't sin in some other way. I don't know how pointing out that there's certain sins that I don't struggle with, that somehow that makes me better than others who do struggle with sin, trying to make myself feel morally superior. Well, Jesus clearly is not having it. He's drawing this contrast here, and this self-righteous, holier-than-thou, conceited Pharisee is sure to make himself self feel pretty good and morally superior as he compares himself to other people who just simply sin in a different way. He goes on in verse 12 to talk about his spiritual superiority. He says, I, fa I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Well, good for you. Religiously prideful. You know, it's possible for us to be religiously superior or superior, spiritually superior, make ourselves feel that way. You know, I go to church every time the doors are open and I sit in that pew and I take notes on sermons and I attend the Bible classes. And so we start to compare ourselves with others who don't do that and we start to feel spiritually superior, religiously prideful. 
and we forget that we're sinners in need of a Savior, too. Somehow we try to build ourselves up and make ourselves equal with God. That's what you have right here with this Pharisee. But then he makes the contrast. Jesus goes on in verse 13, and he says, And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The first thing we ought to notice is the fact that he stood afar off. Um, first thing is he's a publican. And once again, as Jesus tends to do, certainly in the book of Luke, but he always takes these folks who are marginalized by society and lifts them up and uses them or points to them as beacons of faith to those who are supposed to be the moral and religious compass of society. And he draws that contrast to say, these folks that you hate so much, they're the ones getting it right. That's the story of the Good Samaritan. That's the widow, the persistent widow of Luke 18, the widow and her two mites. That he is right here with this publican, this tax collector. He's just lifting these folks up who supposedly, culturally, I suppose you could say, in the first century, were not liked by the religious elites. Jesus lifts them up and points to them as beacons of faith and says, this is how you do it. They're getting it right. Here's a guy who is not liked by either Jew or Roman. And Jesus is saying, this is the guy who has it right. And the first thing we see is that he is standing afar off, which draws a contrast to the guy who just stood up, trying to be the center of attention. This one, this man stands off to the side in the shadow, doesn't really want to be seen by anybody, including God. We see the humility in that he doesn't need the limelight. We see his humility because he knows and sees himself as unholy in the presence of a holy God when he's praying. That comes out when it says he wouldn't even look at God. He wouldn't so much as raise his eyes to heaven. That's humility. That's feeling of shame and guilt and regret and remorse for the sins that he has committed. Feeling a bit of shame, and he can't even look at God. He's so embarrassed and ashamed of the things that he has done. And then Jesus points this out. Instead of being like the Pharisee and saying, hey, I'm not like other people. I'm not an adulterer, an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I tithe. I fast. I'm really spiritually minded. I go to the church all the time, et cetera, et cetera. No. This publican, Jesus says, simply said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Not a long, flowery prayer full of big words, trying to sound like the smartest guy in the room. No, it's just one very simple sentence of a prayer, and it really says it all. The publican takes ownership of his sins. He understands that he is unholy, standing in the presence of a holy God, and there he takes ownership of his sins. God, be merciful to me 
a sinner. That's humility. Kind of like David in Psalm 51. You ever want to learn how to really repent? Look at Psalm 51. And that is a picture of David repenting of his adultery with Bathsheba, the murder of Uriah, and all the lying that he has done. Try and cover up that adultery and that murder. David gets called out on his sins. And in Psalm 51, notice the personal responsibility. He constantly says, I have sinned. I have done this. Of my own, he owns it. Too many people want to pass the buck and place blame somewhere else. David doesn't do that. This publican doesn't do that. They own their sin. It, this is the point. Having the humility and the faith to own your sins. Now, Jesus gives us the conclusion of the matter in verse 14. Jesus tells the story. He says, I tell you this man, this publican, this guy who's not liked by Jew nor Roman, this is the man who went down to his house justified rather than the other. Instead of the religious guy, the Pharisee, the self-righteous, holier-than-thou guy, this publican went home justified. When he stood in the courtroom of God, he was pronounced not guilty. It was justified. Here it is. Just if I'd never sinned. And that's how he went home. Meanwhile, the Pharisee who thought he was religious and almost equal to God almost, certainly in his arrogance and pride, he, still, he went home still steeped in the guilt of his sin. Jesus says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who will humble himself will be exalted. So how does this tie into, will Jesus really find faith on the earth? Well, in the first place, with the persistent woman, widow, here's a faith that has courage and zeal and endurance and fights the good fight of faith and won't faint, won't quit, keeps on asking, keeps on seeking, keeps on knocking, keeps on pursuing what is right because it's the right thing, even in the midst of all the corruption. And then there's this parable with the publican and the Pharisee. Here we're taught to maintain a humble faith. We maintain a humility in our faith. Rather than fighting the good fight of faith and winning a few battles and all of a sudden we become like the Pharisee, holier than thou, and start looking down on people. We maintain humility. We still understand that even when we have lived right and pursuing what is right at the end of the day, we're still sinners and we need a Savior. We're unholy in the presence of a holy God. Certainly when we enter into the, His presence when we pray, we are entering into the presence of a holy God who created the universe. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ought not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And so we will Jesus find strong, zealous faith that is equally humble at the same time, humble 
Is he going to find that kind of faith when he returns to the earth? That's the question. So we bring this episode to a close in Luke 18 verses 1 to 14 to a close. We ask ourselves the question, do I have the faith of this persistent widow who has a backbone to fight? Who's going to pursue what is right and be strong and not faint? And at the same time, will I maintain humility, understanding my need and dependency on God? So that's it for now, my friends. Again, if you will, like and share and leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends. Until next time. Mm -hmm.